0: Are you Are ready? You ready?
1: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Around the CFL Podcast. Anthony here with you once again, and we've got a big show for you today. Hamilton Tiger Cats, star defensive back Stavros Katsintonis is here, and we chat about his career so far and his breakout 2023 season. Before we get to that, though, let's check in on some news. The Edmonton Elks have made a major move here, signing... McLeod Bethel-Thompson to a one-year contract, according to TSN's Farhan Lalji. The deal could see Bethel-Thompson make up to $500,000 this coming season, including incentives. Bethel-Thompson opted to return to the CFL following his 2022 season, wanting to be closer to the family in the United States. He spent last year with the New Orleans Breakers of the USFL and threw for 2,433 yards and 14 touchdowns and 8 interceptions. The 35-year-old led the Argonauts to the Grey Cup in 2022, but was forced to exit the contest in the fourth quarter due to a thumb injury. He finished the season with 23 touchdowns and a league-leading 4,731 yards. Now, my issue with this is they didn't have a conversation with Trey Ford. Of course, obviously, they don't have to have a conversation with Trey Ford. It's not the coach or the GM's responsibility to do that. I think after the merry-go-round last year that happened and Trey Ford stepped in and did a lot of really great things, is this kind of more of a slap in the face to Trey and bringing in McLeod Bethel-Thompson, or is this something that could be looked at as learning to make Trey Ford even stronger for the future? I don't know, the jury's out on that one. The Edmonton Elks did make another move. They have released American quarterback Taylor Cornelius and the national linebacker Adam Coner. the club announced on Tuesday. The news comes just days after the Bethel Thompson signing. Cornelius spent three seasons with the green and gold. He threw 5,868 yards and 25 touchdowns in 44 CFL games, including 27 starts. Last season, the Oklahoma State product appeared in all 18 regular season games, starting seven of the team's first eight games, recording 1,335 passing yards, five touchdowns, and nine interceptions. So it was kind of a tough year for him last year, which then we again we saw Trey Ford popping in. Franchise quarterback Trevor Harris has restructured his contract with the Saskatchewan Roughriders. General Manager Jeremy O'Day was mum on the details, though he commended Harris for putting the team first, presumably providing some relief against the salary cap. O'Day declined to discuss the financial terms of the deal, but confirmed that its length remains unchanged from the two-year deal he initially signed with the team last year. As such, the veteran passer remains set to become a free agent following the 2024 season. The 37-year-old was scheduled to earn $525,000 in 2024, including $250,000 active roster bonus due February 1st. He made $500,000 this past season after coming over from the Montreal Alouettes in free agency. And speaking of restructuring, quarterback Bo Levi Mitchell has restructured his contract with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, TSN Football Insiders Dave Naylor and Farhan Lalji confirmed on Thursday. The contract will include some protection for the Hamilton Tiger Cats on the risk of injury. Lalji adds that Mitchell's deal is worth 225000 in hard money, which includes a $50,000 signing bonus, plus $72,000 in playtime, and up to $15,000 in performance incentives. Of course, we did see him go down twice last year on the six-game injured list. The 33-year-old... Katy, Texas native, recently completed his 7th Canadian Football League season and 1st with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. after his rights were acquired by the club in a deal with the Calgary Stampeders. Mitchell, who had, like I said, 2 stints on the 6-game injured list with the Tiger Cats and it limited him to 6 regular season appearances, he threw for only 1,031 yards, 6 touchdowns, and 10 interceptions in those outings. And finally in the news, Calgary Stampeders general manager and head coach Dave Dickinson said that the recent merger between the XFL and USFL will make his general manager duties easier in terms of acquiring talent. The new American Spring League, which will be known as the United Football League, took four teams from the USFL and four teams from the XFL. Each league previously had eight teams for a combined total of 16. Dickinson believes that there are a lot of reasons as to why players are choosing to play in the CFL rather than the UFL. The Stampeders will kick off their season in 2024, June 7th, when they host the Hamilton Tiger-Cats and Bo Levi-Mitchell. We will be right back and we are going to have our sit down with defensive back Stavros Katzentonis. Today's guest is a huge part of the Cats defense. Originally from Bakersfield, California, he's a Vanier Cup champion in 2015. He is the Bruce Coulter Award for Best Defensive Player in 2015 as well. Three-time first-team All-Canadian. From the Hamilton Tiger Cats defensive back, Stavros Katsantonis, welcome.
0: How's it going? Thanks for having me on.
1: Thanks for coming. Before we get started, um big congratulations. You had a big extension recently. How does it feel to be staying with the Ticats Cats for another 2 years?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, I really couldn't be more excited to be back with the team, especially I mean being the team that that drafted me. Um, you know, ultimately just being an awesome place in Hamilton. Um, you know, I really love the culture there that's um, you know, been established by Coach O and now by uh, Coach Milanovic stepping in now. Um, but just the uh, just the overall uh, arching theme was it just, it just felt like the right thing to do, um, and I was just glad I made the right decision, you know, the help of, you know, God, my family, uh, friends, and, you know, coaches, former coaches, uh, former players. I talked to a lot of people about um, just just the decision that I was going to make in, in terms of whether I should come back or not, um, and I think ultimately I made the, the best decision for myself and my family, so I'm just super excited to be back in the black and gold
1: did they start talking to you right after the season? Like, when did the contract talk start?
0: Oh, man, these, I mean, these go way back to actually before the season, Uh, you know, there was talks of extending me, um, but it just wasn't the right time for me personally yet. Um, You know, I just kind of wanted to see how the season went. Uh, You know, at that time, I was just mainly playing special teams and had kind of seen the field defensively in some, you know, nickel and dime packages. So um, it was actually going on all throughout the season. And then when I kind of got my start, got my touchdown, uh, things really started to, to heat up. Uh, you know, so to speak. So it was really an ongoing process from basically about, I would say, you know, March or April um, all the way down until, you know, the day I signed, which was, uh, you know, a few weeks, a few weeks ago back in December. But yeah, my, my agent was hard at work for me and I definitely really appreciate all the work he did for me. And uh, uh, I think we just made the right decision in coming back to Hamilton.
1: We're going to talk about this past season here in a little bit, but first of all, what was it like growing up and playing football in California?
0: Oh, man. Um, yeah. It's, I, I still think the best athletes come out of California. I know a lot of a lot of guys from other states and other countries have, uh, you know, might have a bone to pick with that one. But no, yeah, it was uh, it was an awesome experience. Uh, like I said, I was born and raised in Bakersfield, California, um, you know, grew up playing and I just started fl- playing football until I was like 13 years old um, was when I started playing like tackle football um, in a, like the youth organization. And then from there, I think that was about grade seven or eight. And then from there, played in high school. And then, uh, yeah, just just being able to develop with guys, uh, you know, that were like-minded like me that wanted to go play at the next level. Um, you got a bunch of guys like that in California. And I was, you know, fortunate enough to play with guys. Fortunate enough to play with guys like uh, Jordan Love, you know the the Green Bay Packers quarterback um, who's doing phenomenal right now, um, and then Chris Barnes, who's uh, with the Arizona Cardinals right now, I've been in the NFL for a while. Um, you know, just 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 to name those two guys right there. But there's countless D1 athletes that I played with, uh, both on my team and that were in my city, um, and just a real testament to Bakersfield in terms of the guys that they put out uh, each year. And uh, you're 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 seeing that year after. I think we have, we have another Bak- Bakersfield guy on the Tie Cats now too. So um it's been good to uh, just just see that connection, you know, kind of rekindle in the CFL with more and more guys coming up here.
1: And you're, you have a other Canadian tie as well. Your father played U-sport, did he not?
0: Yeah, so he played for the University of Calgary back in the late 80s, and he also played in the CJFL um, for the Edmonton Wildcats uh, prior to that. So, yeah, has a, definitely a rich history in uh, in Canada. Obviously born and raised there. Um, and then making the trip on down to Bakersfield Junior College, um, and, and playing football down there. That's kind of how he met my mom and, and how I ended up there. Um, but he ended up back in Cal. He went from the Wildcats to Bakersfield College, back to the University of Calgary, and then back to Bakersfield, um, you know, where him, my mom started a family and started a restaurant business.
1: That's awesome. So coming out of high school, how did the opportunity with UBC come about?
0: Yeah, so that was, uh, it was really towards the end of my uh, my senior year, of high school. And I'm sure, you know, a lot of people know kind of the recruiting process really starts for most kids. Like it's usually when you're a junior, I mean, depending on how special you are, can start as early as, you know, you're seeing nowadays got kids are getting offers and they're in, you know, eighth grade, seventh grade. Um, but for me, you know i, I kind of had just planned on walking and walking on at the university of washington um up in seattle i uh, didn't really have too many uh i didn't have any i didn't have any offers coming out of high school um to any d1 programs or d1 double a's had plenty of walk-on offers um you know a few d2 and, and naia offers but uh ultimately you know in about january february um when i was getting to graduate in the you know preceding may uh my dad was like hey like do you ever think about playing up in Canada or anything like that. Like, and I was like, I really didn't like think much of it. I kind of more or less just brushed off But my dad had sent my high school tape uh, up to uh, UBC and the university of Calgary. Obviously he kept tabs on university of Calgary and, and coach Neil moving over to UBC. So he sent my film to both places and uh, you know, we got interest from both teams. Um, and then, you know, ultimately for me personally, I just, I really fell in love with the UBC's campus um, up there in point gray. And I was just like, oh, I, I got to go to school here uh, and and being offered a scholarship. I just, you know, I was like, I got to take the money and uh, you know, further further my education without getting into a huge heaping pile of uh, student loan debts um and, and you know what better place to go than the university of british columbia one of the top ranked uh you know schools in the in the world so uh yeah it was really a, a true true testament to my dad doing all the work for me there um and then getting up to ubc and never never really understood canadian football Um, or the rules or anything like that i kind of just did like a crash course on wikipedia like before i was coming up uh you know for for i guess fall training camp and just was like trying to learn everything i could and even that doesn't do enough i know a lot of american guys know the same thing it's like you really gotta be in it uh and experience it because it's not it's not anything like uh you know the u.s game in terms of like just different scenarios that play out the 12 men, the waggle. There's just it's just a way faster game, uh, wider field. You gotta be better conditioned. Um, and and you gotta be fast to play the game. So um, yeah, I know it's been it's been a long journey to get to this point.
1: Do you find it more difficult for someone in a defensive back position to go from American to Canadian? Like you said, there's the waggle and some other things like that. So, you know, in Canada, we think it's minor detail, but coming from mm-hmm. American football. Is that something that, especially in your position, is very difficult to kind of get a grasp on at first?
0: Oh yeah, hundred percent. And I hear countless of my uh my American teammates who come up and say the same thing who've never played the game before. Um, but for me personally, I, I always thought when I was gonna come up to UBC like I was gonna, you know, be the best player and and be, you know, the hot shot right off the bat. And uh I, I got like huge awakening, like kind of my first first day at training camp. Like they had they had me play in field corner when I first came up. Um cause we had Taylor Loeffler playing free safety for us. So um, I was just kind of, you know, getting in where I could fit in, you know, the, the rookie guy, uh, you know, just trying to do my part, but, uh, just covering the waggle. I think I was covering Trevor Pinto, uh, and Marcus Davis a couple of times, guys like that, like with crazy speed, um, and covering the waggle and just being like, just remembering like, man, uh, this is like, not what I remember just like, I'm pretty sure I called home or something like that, or, or just like, Called, called my girlfriend at the time uh, who's my wife now and just was like i like I feel so out of place here I don't know what's going on like I'm not I'm not used to like not being you know one of the best players on the team so it definitely took um you know some time of of just learning the game and, and getting you know more reps under my belt and that that kind of showed as the season progressed when I finally kind of got my start um and just kind of ran away from it uh, with it.
1: Coach Nil was on the podcast recently and we talked about his type of program. What was it like to play for Coach Nil and how did he help you get more amalgamated to the Canadian game?
0: yeah for sure i mean i can't really speak for other coaches in uh you know in u sports or anything like that because i never never was coached by any of them but coach no is a a huge resemblance of what it's like to be coached uh down in the us he brings that just hard uh hard nose like no nonsense type deal um to his coaching game um but you know he does he does care about his guys at the end of the day um you know because at the you know he's he's basically your parent for you know those four years when you're there um you know and he's making sure that you're not only taking advantage of your you know on field abilities but making sure that you're doing the right things off the field as well staying out of trouble and uh you know doing doing the right things academically as well so uh you know he was a great great uh great mentor for me uh you know just in the canadian game and just just being able to transition from you know a high my high school coach who was very similar to coaching style to him and just it, it was it was easy for me like the way he coaches it was just like it, it, it was a fitting in puzzle piece, so uh, he's he's an awesome guy, and he's really turned the UBC program around uh, since he's been there.
1: And your U-Sport career started out with a bang by winning not only the Vanier Cup as a member of the UBC Thunderbirds, but also winning the Bruce Coulter Award for the best defensive player. How special mm-hmm. was that first season for you?
0: Yeah, it was uh, it was super special. Like, I mean, if you asked me before the season started, if I envisioned us winning a national championship, let alone you know me playing or making any plays, you know, to go along with that, I de- definitely wouldn't have believed you. Um, even if you asked me after, you know, week you know week one, I think we played the University of Calgary, we lost like by fifty points or something like that, and I, I think everyone kind of felt the same way. It was like. We would win games. But we were like, oh, how can we beat, you know, you know the University of Calgary? They, I think they had one of the best statistical seasons that season, um, you know, with Andrew Buckley, Rashawn Simon-Eyes, Mercer Timmis. Um, you know, there's countless CFL guys that were on that team, um, and they set a lot of records. Um, but I think we just had a, had a big belief uh, team-wise. There was just there was just a buy-in in the locker room, and, and we just believed in each other uh, and just formed a, a unique brotherhood that helped carry us through each game. And, uh, yeah, that – that uh, Vanya Cup definitely is sweet to this day, and and is something I'll never forget.
1: You played four seasons in Canada in the U Sport with the Thunderbirds, and you had unbelievable success. What was going through your mind when that final season had ended, and it was start- time to start thinking about your professional football life?
0: Yeah, I think, uh, man, the the CFL, I guess, making it to the CFL didn't really hit my radar until probably like my after my first season or second season. um, Cause I thought about maybe, maybe transferring, going to do an NCAA school, um, and maybe taking that route. Cause I know a few Canadian guys had done that, but, um, you know, the CFL being a pro CFL athlete didn't really hit my, my radar until like that senior year, um, or, or fourth year that I had, um, you know, when it was all said and done, I was like, Oh man, like now it's, it's like, it's like over. And it was like, it was a tough way to go out. We lost in, in the playoffs on, uh, you know a uh, overtime game um and obviously you don't you always want to win that win the big game at the end of the day but um you know not everyone can win only one team wins a championship at at the end of the year but uh yeah just just to make that transition i think uh you know i was definitely ready for it, it something i always dreamed of was being a professional football player and uh to be able to have that dream realized a few years after right cuz i i mean for for having the covid year two and having that year off um I mean, I had basically two years off of football before I even touched the field. Um, and, and to come in, not only in like a, not regular year where, you know, we didn't get any preseason games, um, we're in a bubble, there's restrictions, there's, you know, basically every, every limitation that you could possibly think of was, was basically there. Um, and to, and to come through with that or overcome, that was definitely a big thing for me. Um, but I had a lot of good vets around me in, in my rookie year and, uh, yeah. The, the, transition to the CFL was, was a super fun one.
1: It's almost combine season, right? So how do players get prepared and what would you say to the kids right now? You know, there's the dreaded 40 and, you know, kids are always terrified of the 40. What would you say to them right now that are getting ready for it? And what was your experience like going through that whole process with the combine?
0: Yeah, definitely. The combine is a, it's an interesting thing for me. I think, uh, obviously the biggest thing for these kids is is definitely getting into some sort of training regiment training program um someone that's probably been there before or understands you know strength and conditioning uh and how that translates into like a straight line speed of a 40-yard dash because that's not your normal uh you know football play so to speak most most of the time if a guy's running 40 yards down the field at his full speed and you're not on his team it's probably a bad thing
1: so, um
0: but but nevertheless you know those those testings and require like are, are part of the requirements. so definitely getting in a good uh you know reputable training regiment um with someone who understands it who can who who's mentored people before um on those things but but my personal experience was you know definitely just training as best as i could as hard as i could um leading up to that and uh just performing the best I could. There were so many stress stresses and pressure um, of just just being able to perform, you know, at your best. Because at the end of the day, you do one thing wrong, or you don't you don't run fast enough, or you don't do this, or you don't interview well. Um, you know, it's a it's a check against you, and and could cost you either you know, first round or second round, or, or you might not even get drafted. So um, at the end of the day, I think just once you get there, just being cool, calm and collected, um, just knowing that you belong there at the end of the day, um, will definitely set you set, set you at a little bit of peace. Um, and just just go out there and do what you do. So yeah, it's uh, the 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 format has been revamped a little bit too, so it's been interesting to see how that um, worked out this past season with kind of uh, the added on days of one on ones and seven on seven, which is definitely a cool addition to see that. Um, and and yeah, ho- hopefully guys are, are ready for that come uh, this this upcoming year.
1: You said that uh, there was the two years that you didn't touch the field until you got to your rookie year, but you were also invited to the College Gridiron Showcase. How did that come about? And for people who don't understand what it is, what is the College Gridiron Showcase?
0: Yeah, definitely. And so it was one of those things that my agent kind of had just uh, had, had let me know about. He had sent some guys down there, um, you know, in previous years and was just a way for me to get on the field um, and kind of show some of the CFL scouts that do head down there. Um, obviously, there's NFL scouts down there as well, but just kind of show the scouts that, you know, I'm still in shape, able to play. Uh, there's no rust on me or anything like that. Um, but I would definitely suggest it to guys that are looking to go to the next level. Cause it's, it just gets you in front of more competition, gets more eyes on you. Um, if you do have aspirations to go to the NFL, there's a lot of guys, um, that, have made it from that uh, from that game into the NFL um, and, and credit that as as their kind of leaping stone. Um, but definitely, there's a lot of lot of scouts there. Scouts from all 32 NFL teams. Just about, I'm pretty sure all nine CFL teams are there. Um, and being being able to interview with those guys there as well, um, and just you know show that sh- just show them that I was that I was ready to play um I think that definitely helped for my uh, my, my draft class and uh unfortunately I wasn't able to play that season because of COVID but um <laughs> definitely definitely would suggest it to anyone that's looking at it um in the future
1: so the draft class you went fourth round 36th overall so when you hear in Canada the fourth round people are like oh but it was 36th overall there's only nine teams so it's actually not bad at all um and you went to the Hamilton Tiger Cats how exciting was draft day
0: yeah, I, I I still remember like just about everything that happened. Uh, you know, I had fam- friends and family over. Um, well, it was more just like close family and friends because it was still kind of COVID and and you know, we we're still nervous about just not not knowing what was going on. But uh we uh I ended up actually streaming kind of my experience, just kind of the living room um and the TSN uh you know cut of that as along with the I think CFL did their own um like draft uh video from like rounds three on and I just recorded that and and recorded my experience when my, when I saw my name kind of come up on the screen, uh, you know, got the call from coach O, uh, you know, coach Washington, uh, you know, some of the front office guys, uh, it was just a, a sigh of relief. I think the longer it goes on, the more, uh, nervous you get, the more anxious you get, am I going to get picked or anything like that? Like, especially when you just see like names just kind of coming off, um, quicker, especially once it gets out of like the second round, um, but yeah, it was just a, something I'll never forget. Um and glad I got to spend it with, you know, the the ones that are closest to me.
1: We talked about day one training camp with UBC Thunderbirds. How different was day one training camp in Hamilton?
0: Oh man. Um <laughs> Yeah, I think they both had their own like intricacies for sure. Like each was hard in its own way. Um you know at the but at the pro level everything's just that much faster uh, no different than when you go from high school to college it's everyone's faster everyone's better everyone was the best on their team um and it's no different when you get in the pros it's that much faster everyone's that much better um and then you even have you, you sprinkle in the veteran guys uh guys who have played you know some guys are playing five to seven plus seasons and i'm and i'm entering in my first year ever you know experiencing a training camp so that adjustment um, is definitely something different because you're trying to prove yourself and, uh, trying to show that you belong and, and gain re- the respect of the veterans on the team. So day one was definitely, I, I probably, honestly, I really don't remember day one, uh, all that much just because probably it was just such a blurb. I do remember day two. Cause I, uh, I dislocated my pinky finger, uh, just on a, like a, we were, you know, wearing pads, doing a blocking drill. <laughs> and that was like one of the, one of the things I remember the most, I had to wear like a splint uh, I'm sure if you look at some old TSN copies, uh, you know, I'll be in a splint for probably the first like 10 weeks of the season. So it was, it was nice to finally get that off. But that, that was like day two. I remember that like without a doubt, um, kind of over everything that happened on day one, but uh, yeah, it was a fun time for sure.
1: Year one in college, you went to the Vanier year one in the CFL, you went to the gray cup. So what were some of your own personal highlights and what do you remember the most from that first pro season?
0: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, I mean, just my first CFL game uh, when we were playing Winnipeg, um, just being able like when I remember just walking into the uh, locker room and just looking at my jersey. And and I think that's when it kind of really hit me that I was like, or at least starting to hit me that I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I'm a pro athlete now because a lot of, I mean, I think before I got into the CFL, I didn't realize how difficult it was to actually make a CFL roster. Um, And you think when you get drafted that, oh, you're just, automatically on the roster it's like no you gotta you gotta earn your way onto the roster through training camp um and i think just the culmination of all that to be able to make it onto the roster with you know i mean we had so many great guys just in the secondary alone um and and just to see my jersey there was definitely just like a, okay like here we go like this is starting to really come true and then you know you put your jersey on you put your pads on Um, and you get ready to go out the tunnel, and then you walk out the tunnel, and I think what better place to really – I mean, the only better way it could have been for me to start my career out was maybe starting with the home game, but I think the next best thing is to start your game in enemy territory Mm -hmm. in Winnipeg, 30,000-plus strong. uh, The first game in two years – our first game in a year because of, uh, you know, the COVID uh, canceling the season, and everyone's just going crazy because they've they've missed their, their CFL football um and i was on like the first kickoff uh you know of the first game since uh since covid had happened so i just remember running down on that and just being like like oh man like this was just such a such a rush to do that um and it's something definitely i'll, I'll never forget and then kind of moving on from that was the next week um in saskatchewan i think mike daly had kind of gone down with a with an injury and uh you know i was kind of the next man up and and uh was able to just Seamlessly transition. I mean, that was early in the first quarter. I didn't think I was gonna play like that soon in my CFL career, but uh, you know, you always gotta be ready when your when your time comes. And I think I definitely, you know, showed that I was ready to play at that level and you know, got a lot of kudos from the coaching staff and um, you know, players and stuff like that post game of, of how I did so. Um that definitely built a little bit of confidence and then just kept going throughout the season, was in on some some dime packages, um, you know, on the second and long and uh you know, just just kept kept putting my head down, uh, you know, working because I knew my my shot would come, and then that playoff game, uh, the Eastern fi- Eastern semifinal uh, versus Montreal, I was just uh, I didn't know I was going to start that week. Uh, you know, I was practicing all week as the backup as I as I usually do. Um, and just walking in i think i was walking in uh to the stadium that day at tim hortons field uh it was snowing and uh hoping to get there at the same time as coach o and he's just like you ready today man and i was like yeah yeah whatever i'm i'm always ready um and i didn't know at that time that that would mean like oh i'm gonna be starting um and then kind of about like an hour before kickoff they kind of come up to me and they're like hey you know uh Siante evans can't go like you got to start uh you're playing safety you know Day's moving over to field half and uh, like, let's go in this game. So uh, it, it was just, a, that was definitely a surreal experience there um, in that game and that uh, playoff environment. Something, something I want, again, I'd love to have another home playoff game uh, in front of our fans. Cause they're just, they're so awesome each week. Um, but that game, that game in particular was definitely special with just the snow uh, sellout crowd, being able to make my first uh, interception in the CFL um, that game. And just m- Overall, just knowing that the guys around me believed in me to get the job done. Um, I think that's one of the things that can kind of go unseen when you're kind of thrust into a position that you're not necessarily that you not necessarily haven't been in. Um, but just knowing that the guys around you believe in you um, and know that you can make the plays that, that you're capable of making. So uh, that game was definitely one that, you know, I'll never forget that one.
1: You paid your dues to your first two seasons, right? You played, like you said, a lot of dime packages, a lot of special teams. 2023 was the breakout year for the Bakersfield Bandit. 18 games, 54 defensive tackles, two special teams tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles, five picks, and your first career touchdown, which came in week six against the Edmonton Elks. Walk through how that pick six developed.
0: Yeah, that one was, uh, man, that one was a crazy one, like to... To just be in that position, um, you know, I just remember that the, one of the receivers kind of motioned over and, it, and it's just, you know, something that that myself and, you know, our our boundary half, uh, Kenneth George Jr., or it was our boundary corner. He was he was tracking the guy over that we just had talked to switch, um, you know, kind of something we had seen on film that week and uh, we just switched it perfectly. The guy, you know, was covered up. I didn't think he was going to throw it. Uh, and I just saw JG uh, chasing him down. And I just kind of something, something inside me said, hey, step up a little bit closer to the quarterback, um, you know, because I was covering my guy initially, but it was like step, step up a little bit closer to the quarterback. And I did. And then all of a sudden the ball was just up in the air and I just reached for it um, and just kind of took off from there. And then uh, I, I didn't know this at the time because I was I was kind of getting into my celebration mode a little bit early. Um but I was kind of reaching, I was running with the ball, not really like chinned up, like high and tight, how we're kind of coached. Um, <laughs> I was kind of getting into my Deion Sanders mode a little bit, but uh, it just so happened when I moved the ball from my right hand to my left hand, to kind of, I was going to reach it out as like, as if I'm like, you know, celebrating as I was doing that. Uh, you know, the receiver, I think is Dylan Mitchell for, for the, uh, uh, for Edmonton. I uh, was behind me about to like, Stripped the ball and it just worked out perfectly that I could kind of stiff arm myself away because I moved the ball out and, uh, you know, was able to run into the end zone. But, uh, yeah, that was, that's definitely a moment I'll never forget. I'd still have that ball. Um, it's at my parents' house. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, that was a, that was a crazy one for sure. And at the least- commentary on that was definitely superb for sure.
1: At least you can admit that you did what you shouldn't have done and you did what your coach not to do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think when we had the meeting, uh, that, Whatever following Monday or team meeting, uh, there was definitely a lot of chuckles from uh, the players after Coach O said, "like just 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 tuck the ball away."
1: <laughs> <laughs> what changed to help you have such a successful season in twenty three after your first two seasons?
0: Uh, yeah, I think a lot of it was just you know just timing, right? Like the the CFL and, and any organization or any any game that you play or, or job or anything. A lot of it just has to do with timing. Sometimes it's just, you know, there's, I mean, when you're, when you're on a team that at least my rookie year, when I come in that has uh, guys like Mike Daly, Tunde Adela um, in front of you, and even Courtney Steven, um, who was on the roster, you know, leading into the season, he retired previous to that. But when you have guys like that who have played, you know, a long time in the CFL have, have not only just played, but have played very well um, in a, at high levels, it's, uh, it's, it's tough to get on the field, right? There's only so many positions, uh, especially in the secondary to get on. So just more or less just being able to be on the field, um, you know, every single down definitely helps. Um, but there are growing pains that come with that. Um, you know, cause even in those first two years, I only played, I mean, realistically, I only started two games was the, uh, you know, the Eastern semifinal my rookie year and then the gray cup. Uh, and then other than that, I kind of gotten in on some injuries, but, uh, when you're not I mean, even though you prepare as you're the starter each week, but when you're not necessarily the guy getting those reps in practice, um, you know, it's very tough to work out the kinks, right? Sometimes your kinks get worked out in the game. So I think you saw a little bit of that, um, you know, just in, in early of of, the, of this past season was just some of the kinks getting worked out. Um, I mean, while still making some of the plays, but but there's always, um, there's good and the bad, right? So I think that um, the, the, just the timing of it just helped um, because I was able to just be, coached by by great coaches have great players around me I'm um, in a great support group so uh when I, I knew once I got my time to shine that you know the good would, would outweigh the bad and and you know I would learn from the bad and, and not make those mistakes anymore so
1: and you know you touch a lot about you know the support the locker room like you see you just seem like a locker room guy obviously and that's a great thing to be who do you look to in that locker room as that mentor for you
0: I mean, shoot. There's a lot of guys. A lot of the, a lot of the veteran guys. Simone Lawrence, uh, Ted Laurent, You know, those are two of the guys right there. Just on the defensive side, Dylan Wynn, um, Jameer Thurman. Uh, you know, guys like that. Casey Sales, just guys that have uh, that experience. That that are that that just know the game. They they know how it works. They know what to do, what not to do, how to have longevity in the league. Um, you know, and then on the offensive side, guys like Chris Van Zyle, who's played. You know. More probably was playing when when I has I I think I was maybe because this was his 14th season, I think. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I was probably barely, barely in high school when he started in the league. So to be able to see like a guy like that, like play until, you know, how long he did, um, you know, it just is a testament to the type of guy he is and and how he takes care of his body, how he prepares each week. Um, So definitely guys like that, Um, you know, Jeremiah Masoli. Uh, Dane Evans. Like I can go go down the list, uh, Carrie O'Brooks, uh, Jamal Roll, um, Cianta Evans, like there's just so many guys that were just just influential in my game and, and how I modeled um, you know, how to be a pro after because all those guys are, are that type of guy. Like they're they're just pros. Um, they know how to show up to work every day, show up early, leave late, um, do all the little things right. So um if there is any advice to take out of that, definitely get get yourself at any level, a veteran guy that, that uh, just does things the right way um, and has success on the field and figure out why, why that is. And uh, you know, just, just follow along with that. Cause there's a blueprint for everything.
1: The season obviously didn't finish the way that the Ticats had hoped this year being the host city for the great cup. What was your takeaway from the 2023 season as a whole? I know that there was a lot of injuries. There's a lot of up and down. There was a lot of, I guess, was there a lot of pressure on you guys from the very beginning of the year with all the free agency moves that the Thai cats did prior and then being the host city, was there a lot of pressure put on you guys as players? And then what was your takeaway from the season?
0: Uh, Yeah. I mean, I think there's always pressure of winning a a championship. Um, Nevertheless, when it's at your own home stadium, there's obviously always going to be added, uh, added pressures. I mean, it was the same way in 2021. We knew, uh you know the gray cup was going to be there and and we knew like we had to be in it um no matter what so that was the same focus this year uh i don't think maybe if, if you ask anyone in the locker room i don't think anyone didn't believe that we couldn't uh you know make the run make it all the way there um but you know at the end at the end of the day it's it's football right there's one team has to lose and one team has to win so uh i mean you saw that with this this past gray cup with montreal and winnipeg it's unfortunately one team's got to win one team's got to lose so uh and and there's nine teams. I mean, the NFL. There's 32 teams. One team wins. And you know, there's yeah. that. That's just how it works. So, yeah, it was definitely disappointing to not be able to, you know, one play in front of our home fans uh, for a home playoff game, and then two not be able to make, uh, make it work for that great Cup game to to be able to come home for them. But uh, you know, it's something something we're still working on. Right, every day. I mean, it's something I think about every day. Is like, okay, how can I win, or how can we win? You know, you know, this upcoming season. Like, what what can we do better? Um. And I know everyone else on the, not only as a player, but on the staff, is thinking the same thing. Um, which is obviously what you'll see in free agency when guys start to get signed. Because I mean, each team thinks that they have the guy that you know is going to get them over uh, the hump to to lift the lift the cup. So uh, it's really anyone's game once once the season starts. I think like Montreal was probably the the least favorite team to win the Grey Cup um, this time last year when you know, odds started coming out and things like that. So at the end of the day, it's whoever is, you know, the most healthiest, number one, uh, and number two, the most tightly knit, uh, you know, group in terms of, uh, you know, a brotherhood within the locker room. I think that that goes a long way. And, and the, the championship teams I've been a part of, um, that's been at the forefront. It's been, you know, not, yeah, the, the coaches have been great on the teams that I've been on, but at the end of the day, it's been the the players and the buy-in around, um, you know, every single guy knows like what their job is, what their role is, um, has a belief in each other that supersedes, you know, other teams, uh, you know, greatnesses or, or things like that. So um, definitely looking forward to this this upcoming season and, and looking forward to ho- hoisting the cup uh, in BC.
1: You mentioned buy-in and that's a great segue into my next point here. So there's been some changes happening, especially, you know, on the field. Coach O, Orlando Steinhauer is leaving the bench and handing the reins over to Scott Milanovic. What do you see the team looking like this year with that buy-in and and has it already started?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, the guys that I've talked to just in this off-season, off-season um, you know, with the DBs and a, a few of the linebackers, uh, you know we're we're not really phased by kind of what what how that i mean that stuff is just out of our control right we don't we don't control um you know how who are who our head coach is who our front office guys are it's at the end of the day we just control the effort we bring uh, to the facility each day so um for us it's kind of i guess i mean i don't want to call it like outside noise but um for us it's just like yeah we're we're going to support whoever our, our our head guy is and uh, you know, I think it's good that, that coach o will still be around. Cause I mean, you're talking about a hall of fame guy, um, who's won multiple great cups who understands, you know, not only like how to coach, but how to be a person that, uh, you know, just, just knows how to handle adversity, right? Like he's a great people person and understands that. So, um, to be able to like keep him around i think is just one of the most valuable things because of his knowledge of the game um and what he brings to the table so i'm sure i'm sure he'll be stepping into the front office role but i, I can guarantee you he will be down on the field uh you know around the dbs making sure we're getting our proper work in so uh you know i'm looking forward to that uh and and seeing him once i get back to hamilton uh very soon
1: that's awesome when do you head back to hamilton
0: uh, i plan it plan it on uh early may probably probably may 1st um we'll, we'll kind of see how things go and uh you know maybe maybe make an appearance earlier than that if maybe i can come out for a little CFL draft deal or or something like that um i know i'll definitely definitely try my best to get out there but uh for for now it's just off-season training um you know being at home with my wife uh taking care of my family, that type of thing. So just, just enjoying the off season. Cause once, once, uh, once the regular season comes, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's down to business, not a whole lot of time for other things.
1: And I can't wait to see you on the field. Stavros, thank you so much for popping on tonight and having a chat. You know, I love talking to you about your career and your way up to the league. And I can't wait to see what the next, you know, many years have in store for you.
0: Definitely. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me on today.
1: That was our conversation with Hamilton Tirecast defensive back Stavros Katsantonis. Really appreciated him stopping by tonight to have the conversation about his career and how things are looking so far coming up in the 2024 season. Some exciting news our store has officially launched. If you head over to Millions you can find us on the, on there. Go on Instagram and you'll and X and you'll see the link. Go to the store, check it out, designed all the merch and we also have a very special girls play football line which I'm super excited that I was able to develop and design and it's super important to me. I hope everybody likes it. As always, you can find us on Instagram, X, and Threads at Around the CFL Podcast, and you can find the show on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, iHeart, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. If you're enjoying it, please go ahead and leave us that five-star review. I love seeing the feedback from the fans, and yeah, it's just a great ride so far, and it's only getting bigger. We are working on another big surprise guest for next week, but I'm going to keep that to myself for now. That is it for us this week, and we'll see you later.